Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten podcast. Joining me today is just a regular old Bitcoin pleb that fell down the rabbit hole of curing his own ailment, or at least effectively managing. And that is psoriasis. What is psoriasis? Well, according to the CDC, psoriasis can be explained as uh, a, a typical appearance that a primary doc care doctor can recognize, but it can be confused with other skin diseases like uh, eczema. So a dermatologist skin doctor is often the best doctor to diagnose it. Well, our boy Michael here today is going to tell you otherwise, because guess what? He did the research. He fell down the rabbit hole and he's uncovered a whole ton of shit that the CDC does not want you to know about. And like I said, he's just a regular pleb and he wants to share it with you guys just in case any of you might be suffering personally or have loved ones are suffering from a debilitating itchy rash or skin disease or something or even the the arthritis that gets thrown in with this whole mix of diagnoses as well so enjoy this rip it's a mind bender and please reach out to uh, to michael if you have any questions or want to fall further down this rabbit hole yourself I've got to do a quick shill now because that is a big introduction because this is a, an off-the-wall show. So, stack sats. It's very important you do that. You can use Swan Bitcoin in the US. You can use Relay across Europe. You can use Coin Corner. Smash buy and set up your auto buyers with all of these apps and exchanges. You can also use hodlhodl.com forward slash bitten. All of these links are in the show notes. Hodler, hodler, appear to peer. You can go and get your KYC free sats. That's not very easy to say at this time of night. From hodlhodl.com forward slash bitten. Consider coin joining. Up your privacy game with wasabiwallet.io. Run some coins through that service. See how it feels. Consider what washing's the bad name, but upping your privacy game is a good good way to describe it and getting those coins onto a hardware wallet you can use shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten and use the code bitten to get yourself a five percent discount off of the bitbox o2 bitcoin only hardware wallet do you love meeting bitcoiners in real life do you want to start your own meetup if so you should be on orange pill app you can find it on the app store iOS is coming to Android soon. Soon. Get to a conference. If you haven't yet, 2023 is the time to do it. The big one's in Miami in April. You can use code BITTEN at checkout. Or get to BTC Prague, which is going to be the biggest Bitcoin conference in Europe. Again, use the code BITTEN or hit the links in the show notes 
or on my link tree. Here's my rip with Michael. All right, Michael, good to see you again. How are you, brother? Uh, doing a lot better. Much more rested this time around. Hopefully I can do it justice this time. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, Lauren's here to ask uh, the first question. So far away, Lauren. Do you do for a living? I am a programmer and I primarily work with web technologies. So when you open up a computer browser, the stuff you see and interact with there is what I build. And I work at a startup. So I work with a team of people doing this and I try to uh, guide them to learn the lessons that I've learned over the years doing it. And um, yeah, so basically I build interfaces that helps um, people solve their own business problems. And, and, and this, the company I'm working on is particularly focused on marketing and messaging. So like if, if you have a business, you want to communicate with your customers. And basically uh, we're building a toolkit around that need. Uh, so that's a short version of it. Sounds cool. Yeah, it's pretty neat. It's uh, it's a very creative job. You're the, there's an un, never-ending learning process going on. The mm -hmm. technology is always developing, and you'll you'll never be bored if you pick up this plan of work. And and you can work anywhere. You can work full side. Which is where he is. Do you want to tell uh tell the <laughs> listeners where you are right now? Um, but me and my family are currently in the Philippines in a small island called Panglao, which is, uh, yeah, has a beautiful little beach area and lots of nice little, um, hotels and restaurants and it's very affordable and safe and laid back kind of place. We really like it. So this is a, a family holiday trip for you, but you're able to work at the same time. You're living the, the four hour work week, digital nomad style, but you're doing it with a wife and four kids. <laughs> Like I've proved this yeah. possible as well. Yeah. 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 So thank you for the encouragement. And yeah, I, this was initially going to just going to be a month long trip, but I think the odds are high. This may be extended out. <laughs> uh, we, we, we don't want to leave. <laughs> Love it. All right. Well, we'll get, we'll, we'll get into all that fun stuff in a minute. Uh, I just want to release Lauren. If you've got no further questions. Uh, wait, are you a Bitcoiner or? Am I Bitcoin? Yes. Yes, okay. I am, Lauren. And, uh, and 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 next time we'll have to bring my daughter, Maya, to join us on the podcast. We'll get her. She's only five, but I think she, she'd be down. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, yes, I am a Bitcoiner. And I also um, I'm trying to my, my daughter even knows about Bitcoin. So that's how much of a Bitcoiner, you know, I am. <laughs> yeah, the, the Bitcoin dads and moms talk about it like every single day, 24 <laughs> seven. Yes, yes. The um the people who run this uh, hotel I'm at are have already heard it from me the last time I was here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. Anyways, my question was why Bitcoin. Okay. So why Bitcoin? Uh, I think last time you asked me this, I was talking about how it is like it means it's it's a objective truth to me in a world where it's hard to tell what's true, you know that it takes the, the energy uh, and effort in general involved to produce, you know, the, the time chain of Bitcoin is uh, not fakeable. So you know that whatever goes in there is true and that every transaction in there 
is mathematically proven. And that's just something pretty fascinating. And I think it's sort of this bedrock that we can build um, basically a whole new world upon. And it's, it's just, it's just so fascinating. It's like, I think it's one of the biggest inventions uh, in human history, like, just like gunpowder or the wheel or the printing press or something like that. Mm. Um, so yeah, it just, it just never ceases to blow my mind. It just seems like, um, uh, yeah, we're just, it, we're, we're just so lucky to be alive in this time and, and experiencing what we're going through. And it's, it's also, um, gives me a lot of, sort of optimism and self-confidence the longer, um, you know, time goes and Bitcoin's still around and all of us Bitcoiners are, are growing in, in many different ways. It's all, it's all bound together and um, just, just a great thing. I feel so thankful that I found it and, um, and we just keep going, see where it goes. It's like a great adventure. Yeah, it is a great adventure. All right. Well, thank you very much for your questions. Yeah. You want to say goodbye? Do you just get rid uh, I want to get on with the interview. We got a lot of things to talk about. <laughs> Bye, Lord. See you next time. Right. Thank you, mate. Um, yeah. Should we talk about? We'll talk about the Philippines then, because I think it's something a lot of listeners want to try and weave into their lives, uh, whether whether they have families or not. That the push to be self sovereign live a freer lifestyle, be able to travel when you want, be able to work from anywhere you want, location independence. Um, you, you seem to be plugging yourself into this kind of lifestyle. What has that journey been like uh, for you personally? And um, describe, because we, we, we were talking to each other on text, it sounds like you had a bit of an interesting journey yourself, even getting into the Philippines, if you want to share uh, yeah. that story. Yeah, for sure. Um, I hope, hope some dogs just started barking here. So you get some of the local flavor. I hope it's not too loud. Is no, it's it fine. okay? Yeah, it's okay. fine. Um, so, yeah, I, I've been um, sort of working remotely um, throughout my software development career. Uh, my wife's from Hong Kong. So when we first got married, I uh, just started um, coding and um I just got my feet wet and, but then luckily the consultancy I was working with was like essentially fully remote already. And this was like 10 years ago. So they're kind of ahead of their time in that sense. Um, but yeah, so I, I moved to Hong Kong for about a year and was working remote the whole time. So it's something I've been doing for a while. And um, the company I'm with now, I've been there eight years and they've always kind of been like sort of okay with it. <laughs> I uh, somewhat like just took liberty and always had some excuse. I need to go to Hong Kong for this or that and, and get out there. And they're sort of like, all right. Um, but ever since the lockdowns, um, they kind of uh, realized that it was totally fine with the whole company remote. And I think it's really changed their perspective. So now it's like totally kosher. Um, so things, um, yeah, I, I feel like this is something very accessible to pretty much anyone who works on a computer these days. Um, but uh, yeah, so we'd been uh, in the States for a couple of years, um, which was abnormal because we were kind of ping-ponging back and forth between Hong Kong. And actually in the Philippines, we were here in December 
2019, this exact same place. Uh, and it was quite different back then. Uh, it was kind of a boom town where we're at. And uh, three years later, they're just now reopening the hotel we're at. was closed for two years, for example. And uh, the place is, it was also hit by a typhoon. So they're like double whammy. It's pretty devastated here. Um, and, um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, so getting here, um, they, um, one of the reasons we came here uh, was because they had dropped uh, the most restrictive COVID sort of restrictions, including um, requiring uh, vaccine documentation. And uh, we, it was actually tricky figuring that out because most of the websites, including like Google flights and things like that, will still drop down a banner telling you uh, vaccine is required. And that's just something I didn't um, agree with and I didn't want to go anywhere that required that. Um, so, um, yeah, so we, we, but we, we actually called like Cebu Airlines in the Philippines to confirm because there's all these different sites saying some you need it, some you don't. Um, but they're like, no, you don't. Um, all you need to do is take a rapid antigen upon arrival if you don't want to provide documentation. Like, that sounds fine. Um, so we did that. And we, so we got our tickets. Um, but when we got to SFO, where we depart the US, um, the uh, lady at the ticket counter uh, said, where's, where's your vaccine documentation? And I said, what do you mean? <laughs> why, why, are you, why are you asking me that? And uh, she said, well, it's required. You can't board the plane without it. And at that point, I said, no, no, it's not required. Um, here's here's the embassy, Philippine embassy, saying it's not. And she says, no, no, it's required. And she, and she was very adamant. And she just mm -hmm. kept requiring, where's your vaccine? Where's your vaccine? And I said, well, I, I mean, I asked her, I, after I was nice for a long time. And after a while, I, I asked her, like, are you willing to lose your job over this? Because, like, I'm willing to do a lawsuit over this. Like, can I get your name? Blah, blah, blah. And then, so she like escalated to her manager and basically her manager was the same thing. Like told me like, yeah, get lost. Like you can't get on the plane without it. And I asked her the same question. I was like, okay, like, are you willing to use your job? Cause I know I'm right. And, um, basically they, um, gave us a runaround for almost 90 minutes. Luckily we got there way early and, you know, this is like, uh, like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night at this point. It's a red-eye flight and the kids are there oh, just God. traumatized. Like my daughter saying, what's wrong? Like how come it's so hard to get the tickets and stuff? And well, <laughs> what, what airline was this? Uh, I, don't, I don't know if I should say, but um, an American Korean, airline or a, Kore a, a Korean Kore airline. Yeah. Okay. So they're which you know korea doesn't have any restrictions anymore I, they were just misinformed yeah they're just misinformed like the, and later like it was funny because like the all the clerks in the beginning were very hardline but once i started like escalating and they realized i was right like um everyone sort of like backed off a little bit and then finally when they capitulated they're all like yeah like good for you like they're like happy that i stood up for myself like i guess no one had been doing that and and, and it was kind of obvious that uh, especially the like kind of manager lady that was really hardlining me. At least my impression was is like she was forced to take it, so she needs to force everyone else to take it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, anyways, I was just very clear that I don't want to provide the documentation, and I don't think it's right. And um, it's I'm following the law, and you're, you're you're misinformed. Like this is the law, and you need to learn the law. I keep, I keep telling her that. 
So, so kind of using, yeah. You you weren't even saying uh, I have not been vaccinated. You were just saying, regardless, I do not yeah. need to provide right. the documentation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a series of conversations. That's I think the better take. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's just kind of this annoying thing. I I, do, I think mostly uh, it's funny because yeah, uh, yeah. I, that's it is it is what it is um but yeah so, it was it was a good it was yeah, a good oh, win. yeah absolutely it is <laughs> um but i wonder now does does that change their minds or policy or are they just going to beat up the next person that comes along that doesn't have the the, the right documentation you know i mean i caused a pretty big scene I think that uh, at least they, I, I think they really weren't informed. I, they they really didn't know. And like the lady that was being so mean to me earlier was like later telling me like, yeah, I just didn't want to lose my job. Like she, she actually like softened up on me. She's like, yeah, I just really didn't want to get fired. I could get fired over this. Like if I, if I mess this up, you know, and I thought this was what it was. So she like, they got nice after, <laughs> after they got told I was right. So. Oh man. It's so wrong, isn't it? It's just so ridiculous. So anyway, all right. Well, you get there, and then once you arrive in the Philippines, was that all fine? Was that all cool? Yeah, it was. Uh, so as they said, you just um, anyone who doesn't provide documentation, which is a couple of us in a group, um, just had to take a rapid antigen test. And so when you enter, um, you know, they typically have that place where you take off your hat and they scan your head for the fever and stuff in Asia, at least. And there. Um, they ask you, you know, show their health pass app where, um, yeah, if you don't um, say you have vaccination, um, then they'll ask you to take the test. And that was like a th about 30 minute procedure. Super nice nurse. Um, and I asked the guy, uh, how many people do this per day? And he said 10. And I looked up uh, the Manila airport processes on average about 21,000 passengers a day. So I know that there's a much higher percentage of people that either aren't vaccinated or don't want to provide it than that. So I think that um, like when I look at here, how devastated this place is in terms of tourism numbers, just really depressed. Um, like this is a contributing factor for sure. I told them like, look, you guys need to have a campaign to like let all these airlines know like what the deal is because you're you're certainly losing out on thousands of passengers every day. Like... This is like ridiculous. Ten people is like nothing. Yeah. That's madness. And like, yeah. uh, so that rapid antigen is that a saliva test or is that still? Did I have to swab your nostrils? It's a nasal swab. Yeah, it's a it's a gold brush that goes in your nose. Yeah, I hate it when they do that as well. Yeah, yeah it's fell. Yeah. Are they still wearing masks over there? In um, or have they managed to like get over? No, themselves? yeah, not here. Um. In Manila, yes. So we stayed in Manila for a night, and there, like the the airport, the hotels next to the airport, like require the health pass and all this kind of stuff. But out here, it's it's nobody. It's nobody. You you see a few tourists come in, and then they quickly take it off when they realize no one else is. <laughs> so, yeah. What a clown world, man! It it really is. It really is. It's so shocking, but I, I'm glad you got there and. You know, you've beaten a path for many more of us. I've had conversations with people. We still, they don't know whether they can or cannot travel to some certain destinations. Mm -hmm. And still, yeah. 
people are being dissuaded from even thinking about it because they don't want to get to the airport and have their altercation because we're programmed yeah. Yeah, it's not, not that to have bad I, I think you just just like call the airline or or the country you know like their embassy because they want you to come obviously like most of these countries especially in this like more developing world like, i don't know if philippines considered that but um they you know they need that tourism really badly and, and especially now like you know they're, they're just yeah it's, it's really sad to see there's lots of hotels here that are um sitting empty and uh, most of the restaurants half of the restaurants are empty like it's you know did you manage to orange pill them last time you were there are they accepting bitcoin yet <laughs> um i'll have to catch up i don't think so I don't think so. I think, I'm uh, sure your pitch has been finally honed after the last three years. <laughs> yeah, I think we we're about three three k around that time. So <laughs> right. even after this pair, we're still doing good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, mate. Well, let's let's try and figure out then. How did you come across Bitcoin? Right. Um, heard about it a few times. Wrote it off. Scam. Typical story. I think it was finally a combination of Andreas videos and then ultimately um, because I was following venture capital very closely at the time, that was sort of my dream to become like a startup guy um, was uh, Andreessen Horowitz, which, you know, it's kind of like the superstar VC in where in Bay Area where I'm from, uh, throwed $50 million into I think it might have been a Series A, which is a very large Series A for, for Coinbase or, or early stage for it. Um, and that really got my attention. It's like, okay, like I was like, laughed this thing off as like a joke when I heard about it first few times. Like uh, these guys like do pretty serious, like due diligence. They're pretty smart. Like there must be something I missed. And so I took a second look at it and yeah, very, very quickly sort of <laughs> rode their coattails and was like, yeah, I should invest in this too. This like seems. Like it is actually um, pretty legit and it's not dead. And, you know, it survived like Montgox and all this. And uh, like it like kind of already won. Like it's if it hasn't died yet, like what's going to kill it? And, um, you know, th I think the main FUD was just like, oh, the government's going to kill it. But I mean, that's the kind of thing that Andreessen Horowitz would have already like looked into and decided, yeah, it's a worthwhile bet, right? Um, so anyways, that was sort of my, you know, simpleton way of de-risking it. Um, but of course now, um, once once you sort of own some and get into it, <laughs> it becomes an obsession, at least for me it did. And um, yeah, it's just fascinating learning about like Austrian economics and in general how money works and all these things were just completely oblivious to prior to any like exposure to Bitcoin essentially. So it totally rewired me <laughs> for the better. And um, maybe um, there was also an aspect of me that had like a mistrust for sort of, um, I wouldn't say authority, but like mainstream thinking and knowledge systems. Um, because of my health issues in the past, I've been dealing with um, psoriasis, sort of eczema, atopic dermitis, just messed up skin issues, essentially since I was born and had had, uh, well, a, 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 just an endless um, 
series of just useless or even um, harmful interactions with with the medical system, like trying to make that go away. And um, so I'd become very skeptical of sort of some of the orthodoxy, um, at least in medicine. And I think that primed me for being like, well, maybe money is similar, like maybe uh, what you're told isn't necessarily um, a capital T truth of the matter. So, do you remember and, and any, then also do you sorry do, do you yeah. remember any particular especially as a young man any particular altercations or meetings or appointments that all of a sudden epiphany started right. dropping to you that what you were being told by the authority sat in front of you wasn't kind of you know making any sense to you intuitively yeah, for sure yeah for sure all right, yeah. Let, all right let's go well, how, how old I mean, do you think you were like the youngest that that, that started yeah, happening? It, it, it built up over time. So with psoriasis, you know, basically every doctor you'd go to, they would just give you a corticosteroid um, every single time. And then when that one didn't work, they'd give you a stronger one. And after like the third stronger one, I was like, okay, like, I don't know about this. And Can we just define what members... psoriasis is as well, just for those people that might uh, not know yeah, exactly it's what it is? Yeah, just like, it's sort of an inflammation in your skin, oftentimes symmetrical. Uh, like in that shows up on both sides of your body, like insides of your elbows, insides of your knees. For me, it would be yeah, neck, elbows, like sort of torso, uh, and yeah, insides of the legs, but pretty much all over. And right. anywhere where they, you know, getting where I wasn't getting direct sunshine, typically I would get a lot of it. And that's um, just really burning, itching skin, red raw. Just. It kind of goes in phases. Yeah, it would get like uh, sort of red and moist, and then it would get kind of flaky and itchy and dry. And it just it just kind of comes in phases. Uh, maybe in the seasons, also in the winter, it's worse because you're drier air, like more fabrics rubbing up against it and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's just an awful, <laughs> awful condition, especially when you have when you when you don't know what what the hell is mm -hmm. causing it. And is and, eczema the uh, same thing? Or... It's very similar. Eczema is more like dry, bumpy, scaly stuff and itchy too. And it's maybe typically more localized. Like I'd say I have eczema on my hands maybe uh, versus the psoriasis would be more like where you're sweating, like in maybe in your armpits and elbows and back of the knees and stuff. Um, but it's it seems pretty unique to people. It's sort of like just like this blanket term for symptoms and there's no known medical official medical explanation for why it occurs they hmm. just give you stuff to try to uh like r run over the symptoms basically a pharmaceutical's dream yes yeah yeah um so yeah anyways my skepticism was just always tempered by making it wanted to go away not understanding how to make it go away and was wanting the medical inventions to work and trying them over and over and eventually you know kind of giving up on that and trying more on dietary focused stuff but um it did kind of get better through my college years until suddenly i started getting uh essentially like rheumatoid arthritis which is um pretty correlated with psoriasis too so it's a i think it's about 10 percent of psoriasis have rheumatoid arthritis and vice versa so there's a pretty strong link between the two and they're both considered like autoimmune they both um are like Kind of characterized by similar um like blood measurements they call it like tnf factor 
and different things like that, where they you know, take a blood panel and they'll look for various like inflammation markers and basically indicators of your immune system being um, active, I guess. I don't know if that's the right word, but your immune system doing stuff, um, in, sort of infl inflammatory activity in your immune system. And um, so they're, they're kind of characterized similarly. So there's some something going on there. And um, so I, I went to go see some rheumatologists for that. And the first one was sort of this younger lady just fresh out of college. And she told me like, you don't have rheumatoid arthritis. Like you should just um, like try to relax, put, put, put a brace on it. I think she told me to take ibuprofen <laughs> and um, which was silly, right? Um, because ibuprofen is probably counterproductive. I think it thins your stomach lining, which then lets more stuff into your bloodstream that shouldn't, which makes your immune system even more overburdened and so forth. And also obviously bad for your liver to have to process that crap. Um, but, um, but then I, that didn't help at all. And as I was, no, I want, I want a different opinion. And she says, okay, well, I can put you in touch with the head of rheumatology here. He's been the head for 40 years. And, um, so I was like, yeah, give me that. That sounds perfect. <laughs> and so, uh, when I met with him, uh, he had, um, he had this whole spiel prepared and he sat me down, kind of like towered over me and said like, look, Michael, um, you know, when I look at your blood panel and your description, like this sounds like really serious based off your history with autoimmune, like um, the best thing we can do is just like hit this thing really hard. Um, and um, luckily, like this is, uh, you know, it had a lot of success. Like um, you can uh, start with these five drugs. And um, and the first drug is uh, methotrexate, which is... Um, yeah, a chemotherapy drug, um, but you just if you take it at a low dose, apparently that's the with a wonder drug for psoriasis. Um, and then um, sort of two other immunosuppressant drugs, which are used for like um, organ replacement therapy and things like that, like just to kind of like shut your immune system down for rejecting organs. But again, if you take it at a low dose, it's great for psoriasis and, and rheumatoid arthritis. They're both standard treatments for these. Mm. <laughs> and and then like a prescription grade ibuprofen because you know you want to knock that inflammation back <laughs> and I, I don't know what the other two were but i think there was some sort of designer immunomodulator drugs i have no idea what the hell um but i knew i knew right off the bat because at that point i knew that i you know i i learned how to cross-reference i learned how to do some basic research i went to a pretty good high school where they at least taught me that <laughs> and um, that I should at least get multiple sources. Um, and and uh, so I did that and I, I read a lot of books and I, I brought the books with me to him because I was already prepared for this cocktail, actually. Like the, the books I'd read were like, this is what they're going to prescribe you and here's why you should reconsider that. And um, yeah, so for like methotrexate, um, I think the average life expectancy is 15 years shorter on average if you're on it. So I, I don't know if it's the methotrexate or the condition that leads you to taking it. Who knows? But that's not <laughs> that's not promising. If it works, then the life expectancy should be average, right? <laughs> At least close to average. Um, but yeah, when I look, you know, if you just Wikipedia, it basically says like it inhibits RNA synthesis, which is like you know related to like cell division and 
yeah <laughs> it's the basically systemically like inhibiting your your cells to multiply in your body <laughs> and um apparently your immune cells are some of the most active in terms of you know i guess multiplying and mm -hmm. so therefore it knocks that back more than everything else and and also psoriasis is um characterized by the skin cells growing like much faster than normal it's it's almost like um your body's like trying to push something out through the skin is sort of my hypothesis on that is that like because for example i don't sweat that much uh, compared to a normal person i sweat less so maybe that's one way of my body like trying to get rid of something it just like creates this skin like yeah rash to try to get stuff out I i'm not sure but it's plausible um but yeah, so I basically, um, <laughs> I basically uh, told this guy to get lost uh, in no like kind words, and um, I I didn't go to a doctor um, maybe for ten years after that. Um, and what what age were yeah, you I, at that point? I think I was maybe like twenty one or so. Yeah. Right. Okay. And did you have that meeting alone or with your parents? Or? No. Yeah. So, so luckily I was, I was with my mom because I was so angry. I, I, I would, I mean, at that age, I wasn't like, I was still pretty impulsive. I, I, I could have probably like punched this guy in the face because he was so, he was so demeaning. He was so demeaning. Like I actually made like a pretty, I was pretty prepared, like made a pretty clear case. And I, I had lots of references and he just like belittled me and says, you know, anyone can write a book and, um, like and that that i was being irresponsible and really? um and yeah so he told uh, me and what what, what yeah. was your mom saying at this point because obviously she oh, knows she, yeah. that you know she, she's she watched didn't... you she's watched you battle your whole life with this and trying to find your own uh resources and doing your own research uh, that that would make a parent proud i'm sure but then to go in and and sit there in front of this 40 year old veteran ahead of the division uh, there's a certain amount of respect that we we have been programmed to show sure. to these yeah. people, and then to see sure. you turn around and give him no respect at all, she must have been like, "What the hell's going on?" Well, you know, I I tried to give him respect, but he didn't give me any back, um, and that's why I got so angry. Um, like I tried to have a pretty civil conversation, and, and he didn't. He didn't. He was just like, "I'm right, you're wrong. That's the end of it." And, you know, I, I think the conversation really turned sour when I was like, okay, so you're saying I can eat whatever I want. Like I can walk out of here and, and get a McDonald's. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you can. It's fine. As long as you eat a balanced diet, it's fine. And <laughs> at that point I was, yeah, that, that's when I was ready to hit punch him in the face. <laughs> um, but yeah, my mom was pretty much just like kind of put her hand on my shoulder and was like, well, let's, let's go. Like it's, this is over. Like, let's go. And so yeah, she, she had my back. It was pretty awesome um, to have my parents support me throughout this and and you know shout out to them they they really um i i, I stopped college at this point um took a pause and just basically went to the library every day for six months and mm -hmm. just focused on eating super clean meditating taking all the free sort of yoga class anything i could related to holistic health i tried and but yeah i basically just yeah read an insane amount of books and internet research articles on this whole topic and just try to try to get an informed opinion so if you'd have if you'd have taken that medley of drugs, which I'm sure he's prescribed many times before to many people in, in your situation, yeah, that that's that's your prescription now for the rest of your life, right? Basically, and yeah, I've, who knows? Who knows? I, and what I, does that I, ultimately I, do to your immune system? Would you theorize? 
yeah, who knows? I, I don't know too many people on it. I did meet, I, I did know someone um, in a previous job who, who was like, he worked at a print shop and he was on methotrexate with psoriasis and he didn't look good. His mm. skin was like really patchy and like he, he did not look good. Um, so that's the only person I know who's on methotrexate and he didn't look very good. He, he, his skin wasn't, was, was pretty bad too. So, have you ever read, yeah. have you ever read that book called AIDS Inc by John Rappaport? No, no, no. You'd love that one, man. Mm. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely dive into that one because that is all about like um, how... So what, what I'm thinking, because I've read the book and now I'm listening to your experience, and if somebody was to subject themselves to that medley of drugs that you'd have been on, it wouldn't have... It could have taken anywhere between 5 to 20 years for the immune system to have completely, perhaps, completely shut itself down because of the, the drugs that you're on. Mm-hmm. It's so toxic. Yeah. And then you end up with yeah. like autoimmune disease syndrome. Right. I mean, that's basically they're saying like, if you take this, there's a good chance we're just going to like give it a knockout punch as if it was some sort of like right. um, bug in me and we just have to hit it with these drugs and it'll be dead. I don't think that's what it is. I think mm-hmm. this is just how my body functions. And I think that like, like I look, I look pretty young for my age. Like, I don't want to say my age, but I'm in like my late thirties. And most people think I'm like in my twenties and I think my body just works differently. (laughs) And I think that I might process stress and toxins in a different way. And maybe that makes me look younger, but maybe that also makes me more sensitive to things. Who knows? Like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's strange, but I don't think it's actually um, anything wrong with me. I think it's just, um, genetic variation or something you know like and uh, over time um you know i've learned to manage it better and better um uh trying to continue continue this train of thought here but um yeah so so you like started hitting the library doing all of the holistic kind of things could you talk us through some of the things that you were trying and then you've managed to cross off your list for you Yes. Yeah, so exactly. So at the time, um, the two books, Conquering Arthritis by Barbara something, Barbara Walters or something like that, and then Healing Psoriasis by Dr. I think Pigano, he's a chiropractor. But anyways, these are just two people who had these conditions and it wasn't their expertise, but they just got really into their, that rabbit hole and trying to cure it because they had basically similar, well, the chiropractor just had lots of patients. We saw patterns of what would help them. And, um, and the, the, and the, and the Barbara Walters, just some lady who was getting asked to take this cocktail and realized it was the word, not the right way. And, um, and, uh, but yeah, the, the big overlap between them was like, yeah, just like avoid all these like corn, wheat and soy sort of the refined grains and, um, the crappy oils were like avoid the hell out of those and like just try to focus on you know whole organic foods like your typical sort of health diet and just lots and lots of leafy greens and greens and greens and greens and <laughs> and, and avoid sugars so it was decent advice i'd say uh, i tried to take it to the maximum <laughs> i even ended up going to like a raw foods low glycemic healing retreat for a week um and and really try to follow that um which i think um definitely it's almost like fasting i think in a way because um 
I felt like definitely like reduced inflammation and maybe I was like very clean and clear and probably getting lots of nutrients. Maybe I wasn't before from all those greens and things. Um, but one day I woke up and I remember raising my hand up to, to open the blinds and I just saw the, um, my bone like in my arm <laughs> and I realized I, and I, I went on scale and I realized I'd lost like 20 pounds and my weight generally like doesn't change. Like <laughs> it's, it's always the same, like the last like 20 years hasn't changed basically like plus or minus five pounds. So, so that was very dramatic. And I realized like, okay, this, this is like raw vegan diet. It's like, something's missing here too. <laughs> uh, so um, I kind of moved on from that. And at that point, like my, um, it, it did bring my inflammation under control. So that's for sure. Like, um, and I, I think it's a combination of maybe like, um, I guess I think it's autophagy. Like when you're fasting, your body like consuming itself, like kind of, um, I think it kind of cleans house. And so I think it was a combination of like, yeah, just eating just like all those vegetables is almost like a fast in a sense. And maybe that had some, some curative effects along with it. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I wasn't so I wasn't in as much pain anymore. So I, I felt like I succeeded in like managing the arthritis. I was basically almost completely gone at that point after about a year of really delving into it. Um, and yeah, I started I, shortly after I met my wife, uh, who was uh, her and her family like love to eat meat. <laughs> and so I was sort of, um, I remember my first trip after getting married, going to Hong Kong, they put out this spread of like, here's a, here's a steak, here's a shrimp, here's a lobster. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is like, just like a welcome dinner or something. And then the next day it was like, yeah, here's your like liver and your, <laughs> and, and they would, have veg they would have veggies and rice too. But basically they, they, they fed me like very, very well with a very wide range of like animal proteins and the combination of that moist climate and all that high quality animal protein. Like I just felt like a new man after about a month, like just way more like solid and the skin was like the best it'd been in a long time. So I, that kind of turned me, I was like, okay, like yeah, maybe like meat's not that bad. Like if it's if it's good quality um so that was that, so it's been an evolution for me um i think one, one thing i want to say is that when i was on this raw vegan diet i remember how much i was proselytizing to everyone like you gotta do this like it's so unhealthy to, to eat all these things and like how little anybody cared and like how if you're not in pain you just don't care like you just don't care nobody wants to hear it so after a while i just stop caring about this topic i was like well i know what to do for myself i'm not going to try to convert anyone anymore um move on with my life like let me just focus on like making some money now and that's how i kind of got into the whole like web development and things like that um, just orienting myself more towards the marketplace now that i kind of sorted myself out a little bit um and yeah i feel like that kind of relates to bitcoin a little bit <laughs> when i first learned about it, it <laughs> i try to just convert everyone <laughs> and then after a while it's like okay like you know <laughs> if you don't like it doesn't work like most uh, there's there's one or few people who i did like orange pill and they're like super happy like yeah, that i did and are still like you know uh, bitcoiners today and um it's, it's a good thing but for the most part, I don't try to um, convert anyone anymore. It's kind of similar where it's like, okay, I do my thing. You do you. Like, uh, I hope the results like speak for themselves eventually, you know, and that's, <laughs> that's kind of where I'm at. It's just like, you know, take care of myself and my family.
Mm-hmm. So once you, but, once you've gone down the rabbit hole of raw vegan diet doesn't work, getting reintroduced to animal protein, animal fats, you carry on trying to search for uh, the, you know the, the the ultimate cure, well, the holy grail of like you know how do you completely manage this thing? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so w- this is where it gets interesting, right? So when like the whole COVID mania started um, on Twitter, everyone and their grandmother was talking about this supplement or this or that, get get your vitamin D, take your zinc, whatever it may be. And I'm sure many of us like just had a whole kitchen cabinet full of supplements, just like buying all these, all these different things to try to make sure that we're, cause you know, we want build, build your immunity. Um, just trying to like find, uh, trying to find ivermectin on the dark web basically because maybe uh, yeah i i know here in, here tried, in but... france here in france one of the top 10 most prescribed over-the-counter drugs was it you know illegal within a few weeks you're like what mm. that was a huge mm. red flag for me <laughs> like what that's absolutely yeah. insane but go yeah go ahead yeah. Yeah, i remember those days I've, well <laughs> they will scar I've, my I've memory heard mixed things about those but um but yeah, anyways, we're all we're just trying trying to figure out what the hell's going on and how to protect ourselves. And definitely, like supplements seem like a sort of pretty low risk thing to have, like just stock. Um, maybe one of them is worthwhile. Maybe this thing's really dangerous. Maybe these things can help, right? But um, there was uh, one guy on Twitter who kept talking about uh, like niacin or nicotinic acid, and um, was always posting these like PubMed research papers. And um, they weren't just about like COVID, but some of them were. They were like, oh, yeah, like this is clearly linked um, to COVID. And there's like very early on, people had established this link um, in terms of like um, COVID messing with um, like NAD plus biosynthesis. And so NAD plus, you know, not like a biochemist here, but it's basically related to your mitochondria or like the power plants in your cells and their ability, like, um, their efficiency basically um and it has to do with like electron transport <laughs> so ultimately our cells are just like little engines and they're just like moving around electrons and um nad plus is like a very key like molecule in that system and um it is correlated with age so the younger you are the higher your levels of nad plus uh, it declines with age and it's also very strongly correlated with basically every um, major disease out there. So if you have cancer, heart disease, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, like all, all these d- diseases of old age, the natural causes of death we have, hmm. they're very closely linked with low NAD plus. Um, so yeah, there's this couple of papers about like linking COVID infections to NAD plus. Oh yeah. Can I get some more? Please. Water. Yes, please. Thank you. <laughs> um but um um yeah so uh anyways nad plus depletion and covid there's some kind of link there in that like the infection seems to mess with with your body's ability to essentially produce it and the primary input for making it is niacin so um that was sort of the mechanistic link that to me was like oh this is like pretty interesting i should probably like learn about this and i didn't know i'd never heard of nad plus or any of this stuff and and how broad it was like in in terms of like aging and disease in general 
and also athletic performance, all, all kinds of things. <laughs> and um, it was just fascinating. I was like, how have I not heard about this? This seems like really uh, like important to know about uh, and fascinating. And um, but yeah, so anyways, I got me some and um, and I tried it. And I think I took just a, a pill form, like a 500 milligram dose. Uh, or maybe I even took a gram, two of them the first time. And um, I I never fully got rid of my psoriasis. I still had it, but it just, I was just used to it. It was fairly well managed, didn't bother it. Uh, just getting lots of sun and being, you know, happy. It seemed to kind of keep it fairly chill. But um, right about 20 minutes after taking it, um, the patches of psoriasis like in my elbows where I had it just started to sizzle, like really sizzle. And niacin is um, uh, well known for this. It's called, that's why they actually call it flush niacin. It's called the flushing effect. So typically it happens around your face and neck area. But uh, if you take uh, a big enough dose, you'll feel it basically from head to toe. Um, but for me, it was particularly localized to my psoriasis initially. And so I, that was like a really big, uh, like, it just really stoked my curiosity even further to see this like reaction with my like problem. And um, after the flush sort of subsided, I noticed that my psoriasis was like just feeling a little less uh, inflamed, just like a little less sort of red, a little less bumpy, just a little smoother basically. And um, I was like, huh, okay, I'm going to do this again. You know, and I basically did that for about a week, just every day, like around lunchtime, taking a gram or so. And I would lie out in the sun because I wanted to like amplify it. I wanted mm -hmm. when people are afraid of that heat flush. I wanted to like amplify it. <laughs> and and I'd also read some studies about like, for example, um, there's a study on Gulf War veterans where uh, there's called like Gulf War syndrome. So like something like 30 percent of Gulf War vets got this thing called Gulf War syndrome, which they don't know the official cause, but basically it's hypothesized to be from like toxic exposure to various like chemical agents and like, yeah, like uh, anti-nerve gas medication that they're prepping them with. It's just like weird, weird stuff. And also, I guess, um, uh, yeah, just like toxic chemicals related to the munitions and things. Um, because the actual war was, I guess, just four days in the field, but like the prep time was several months. <clears throat> Thank you. Um, so like, uh, anyways, like 30% of these vets like had this problem and they didn't know how to cure it. There's like no official cure for it. But anyways, they took a group um, of these GIs and put them on a regimen of like high dose niacin, uh, sweat lodge and exercise. And I, I forget the number, but it was like the majority of them were considered cured, like based off their like characterization of World War Syndrome after it. So it's like pretty amazing. So th there seems to be like some maybe synergies with like, like sweating and exercise, like in, in addition to it. So anyways, I was just exploring that. And after about a week or so, I wasn't getting any flush effects anymore. Uh, my skin has, was like the best it ever been. And I was hooked. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is the, this is crazy. Like this, this is really amazing. And um, yeah, I pretty much have been um, just like uh, trying to learn more about it ever since. And this is maybe like almost two years ago by now. Um, and so I made a website because whenever I tell people about this, um, I mean, we've just kind of, I haven't even gone into the research into it, but 
you know, there's my anecdotal experience, which is pretty powerful for me, but you know, who knows if it applies to other people. Again, I just might be like unique genetically or something. It has some special effect on me, who knows? But um, if you look at the research out there, um, there's a very broad range of research um, on animals, on people, uh, on cell cultures, uh, network pharmacology, where they just use computers to like compare molecules and things. Um, it's extremely broad range of research and also a lot of throughout a lot of time like there, there's research on niacin that's over 100 years old like um so um i started um creating a directory so every time i saw an interesting paper i try to understand it and i realized it would just kind of go in one ear and out the other it's very technical sort of medical jargon in there and just I try to digest it to the best of my ability given limited time with family and work but just write like a one or two sentence summary what I thought was a good takeaway from it. And so, yeah, I made the site called niacin.io and I just published studies there. And there's actually a link. If you find an interesting one, you can, you can, um, you can uh, submit one and I'll post it. I'll take a look and I'll post it too. Um, but yeah, the idea there is actually it's, it's mainly for myself because I, I feel like um, I'm still building an understanding of what this is, go what's going on with this thing. Um, but yeah, if you want, we can kind of like, take like a five minute whirlwind tour through some of these some of the research because like it's pretty interesting let's do it brother the, the listeners are all here <laughs> for little deep dives into right. whatever especially when it all comes right. to health and nutrition and, and finding something you know uh i think yeah, i've told you before my wife suffers from eczema um pretty bad on her hands maybe like yep. one time per year it hasn't flared up this year which is great to see uh, nice. But I definitely yeah. want to try and get some flush niacin. I've been struggling in Europe. Uh, you've been trying to help me, I know, uh, to mm -hmm. find the actual flush niacin. Because when I go on to the usual spots, <clears throat> yeah. like Amazon, for example, yeah. Um, yeah. I get that they're, they're trying to yeah. peddle flush-free yeah. niacin, which is yeah. a, a shitcoin, yeah. basically. Yeah, well, it's, it's probably going to be like that with Bitcoin in Europe too, right? For your protection. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm not sure, but I think it might be controlled in Europe. And um, the rationale there, uh, you know, I, I guess the official one is um, and if you if you also Google like niacin safety, you're going to get a lot of hits um, telling you that it's like a, um, like hard on your liver um, is what you'll see. Mm -hmm. um, but I just um advise anyone who sees that to actually follow the footnote <laughs> like see where that reference is coming from follow that footnote and actually read that study that they're making that claim based on and you'll see that that is not niacin that is a modified version uh, they say a pharmaceutical called niaspan which they use in a lot of these niacin studies and they just shamelessly call it niacin even though it's not it's not nicotinic acid. It's not flush niacin. It's the modified molecule to try to eliminate the flush effect. Um, and yeah, that is, yeah, it's bad for your liver. I'm sure that stuff's better. I, I don't deny it. Like, I'm, I bet you that stuff is bad for your liver, but it's not niacin. So and the, there's. It, it's seen here on your website, uh, um, aka vitamin B3. So its most common name would be vitamin b3 right. right but again if right. you just walk into a like a holland yeah. and barrett yeah. store and say, you're gonna hey, get you you're gonna get niacinamide 
yeah. nice it's, cinema. It's probably a nice cinemide or a Nosotol Hexo Fanite or something, which mm-hmm. is like, yeah, it's again, it's similar. It's like a, I think a Nosotol is like a carbon ring with like like a couple different myosins attached to it. Um, but yeah, that's that's not what you want. Um, it's it's very clear from all the research that it's nicotinic acid, like flesh niacin, is is unique, and um, that it is there's a receptor specifically for it in your body, especially in your um, immune system, so your immune cells, your macrophages, and your endothelium, like the, all the tubes, all the membranes in your body um, have a have a ton of this um, um, niacin receptor, basically. So for somebody and like also, my, for somebody like myself yeah. that does not suffer from like the the skin problems, what, mm-hmm. is it still a good idea for me to find some nicotinic acid or some flush niacin for other beneficial reasons, like uh, a, a good kick of vitamin B yeah. three? I think so. <laughs> right. I mean, what 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 these studies show is that it basically um, the receptor. It's called GPR109A. Uh, it has a couple different names. They also call it HCAR2. There's sort of different names for slightly different like views on what seems to be the same thing. But um, it tends to express itself in inflamed tissue. Okay. Mm-hmm. So usually whatever your health problem is, is linked to inflammation. Mm-hmm. And so the niacins can kind of go there. Like it's it's related to inflammation signaling. Um but again, I'm kind of talking out of my ass at this point. So I, it's I, I bro science. Like... We love a bit of bro science <clears throat> exactly. on the Bitcoin pod. And okay. look Sounds how good. I'm. We're now looking for the listeners. We're now looking at niacin.io, and Michael's going to pick out. Um, Jesus, man, yeah. you've got a lot of shit on here. Let's cruise through some of this. Um, I'll yeah. just like summarize the summaries, right? Mm-hmm. So okay, uh, this is just one I count today. It's it's um, so I'll just say out loud in case you're on a podcast. Um, okay, this one's pretty random. It's saying, uh, <laughs> what I find fascinating is that people are even studying these things. Like, why are these people studying niacin or and and this weird stuff? And this one, they're they're have studying on depressed males where they're giving them photographs versus non-depressed males, and asking them their preference of female pictures. And the depressed males have a much narrower preference for like hot chicks. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and basically that's supposed to be an indicator of like lower cognitive flexibility they call it mm-hmm. um but basically and, and it sh- they basically did like blood tests and they found two things that were like strongly correlated with this narrowing preference and basically uh, it was low nicotinic acid and low acetylcholine that um led to high very narrow preference um and anyway, it's just interesting that there are like social implications of this as well. Yeah, that's um, crazy. I see that sentence there. This this indicates nicotinic acid may regulate human social decision making, especially preference related behaviors. Yeah, yeah. So this is time preference. <laughs> it might be. Yeah, <laughs> it, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, and and yeah, if we if them. we have as a society a low uh which we do right uh, i'm sure we have very repressed nicotinic acid levels in our bodies uh just by virtue through the ridiculous amounts yeah. of dog shit that we eat uh which well, is... this this next study goes into that so okay. this is a very um old study um but it's called the politics and pellagra so pellagra is basically lack of niacin it's a disease that's characterized by lack of niacin and it was very 
prominent in the early 19th century mm. when um, degermination of corn and grains was invented. So the degerminator of um, cornmeal, mm-hmm. the, the machine that does that, was invented in 1901, and the pandemic really got going of pellagra around 1906 and ended sort of in 1940 when we started fortifying, when they passed a law to fortify all grain that sold into the commodity market with niacin because they figured it out. <laughs> That's why if you if you buy bread today in the U.S., you'll see three vitamins, um, B1, B2, and B3, thiamine, riboflavin, and niacin. Um, you, you can't sell um, refined grains into the market in the U.S. without that um, artificially added in during the milling process because like it, the milling processes we use, which are designed to preserve the shelf life and marketability, uh, like destroy a lot of that nutrient. So, and they so didn't to- know this. To yeah. to say that to degerminate uh, that that means it's taking the uh, the germ or like the uh, the reproductive organ I believe out of the grain. I think so. Yeah, exactly. during the milling yeah. process, so that the, right. the shelf life is much longer, right? Because if that is still, if the germ is still within the grain, I think will, you're right. Yeah, right. It, it might will start or to something. spoil. It will sprout and it will start to spoil. So we that take that perfect sense yeah. we take that shit out in 1901 <laughs> to improve the yeah. shelf life of these like uh disgusting yeah. um and then of course yeah, well, cornmeal we, in this case right uh <laughs> which we get start you know that that's the the start most likely of the the breakfast cereal industry i don't know the exact date mm-hmm. that that started sure this, that sounds about right yeah this ties in perfectly with something my wife was reading yesterday she's reading the great um oh Big Fat Surprise by Nina Tightshorts, mm-hmm. I think her name. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she was saying uh, the the only way we can absorb the vitamins from these grains or cereals is mm-hmm. if it is mixed. Uh, it needs something to 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 you know ferry it across the cell membrane, i.e., fat. Mm-hmm. So when mm-hmm. when you had the whole grains still with the German, and you were Mm -hmm. eating that um, with a fat, most likely full-fat milk, full-cream, full-fat milk, you were getting Mm -hmm. at least something from it, right? Because Mm -hmm. then it can cross the cell membrane and it can take uh, the the nutrients it needs, the vitamins, the the, the, the B3 vitamins, whatever. Nowadays, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's fortified with this shit. They take the actual natural stuff out of it, then fortify it with uh, the B vitamins, and then people are using fucking soy milk uh, and all of this other milk sludge. With, with fat, yeah, fat exactly. free milk and enhanced with, with calciferol, which is rat poison, or otherwise known as vitamin D3. But um... Um, People wonder <laughs> where Alzheimer's is coming from and yeah. cancers. And... But, but yeah, no, it's crazy. So, so yeah, in Pellagra, like this Dr. Goldberger was appointed to study the cause. He actually quickly figured out it was like nutritional deficiency, although he didn't identify nice in particular specifically but he was basically like told he was wrong and that it was like uh some sort of bacterial or viral thing and um yeah basically like gaslit and by by like the politicians in control of like this is particularly prominent in like the u.s south apparently um where there was like this cornmeal was like a huge part of the diet um Mm. and uh yeah but uh yeah it's just the article is in depth by just a quick summary like guy actually quickly figured out it was clearly tight and it was just like ignored um even though they asked him to figure it out and then 
he was able to like cure orphans um, by feeding them fresh milk and meat and a very diet. Like, so as you're saying, <laughs> um, uh, okay, so let's go through some of these. Um, okay. This is about NAD plus synthesis, just being uh, crucial to DNA repair, uh, especially in the, like in aging cells and, and that this DNA repair capacity is like critical to preventing tumors, which kind of makes sense because tumors are like, DNA gets corrupted. This stuff like grows in a way that's not designed for your body, right? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, super important for that. Um, okay, so there's a lot of these studies, and they're kind of terrible, but they're also like some of the most convincing to me, where they take a group of rats and they feed them, you know, the same conditions, um, except one group is standard diet, one is like a standard diet plus niacin supplement, and it's usually some, you know some some percentage of the dry food weight um typically like one percent although this one's not that much 50 milligrams a day so these ones they're literally just taking rats and poisoning them with methyl mercury so feeding them mercury and the ones on niacin do a lot better uh this one is an abdominal fat pilot study 20 years ago kaiser permanente uh i think this was like 300,000 participants or something but they gave them three grams niacin a day for about a year, 81% of patients had an average 27% reduction in intra-abdominal fat. The fat loss that, was associated that's crazy. with... Yeah. That, the hmm. degree of fat loss was associated with the degree of increase in HDL cholesterol and reduced total cholesterol. Yeah, so, so, so HDL good cholesterol. cholesterol. Yeah. So good cholesterol. Yeah. So, so for those people that are yeah, yeah, trying their hardest to shift fat... Uh, and you know they might be doing fat diets. Of, you know, well, choose, you'll choose. see if you if you take it if you take niacin in this. Mm. Dose, it's it's in um. Oh gosh, I'm getting this mixed up. It was well, is exothermic or endothermic? It's mm. it's give it's exothermic. It's giving off heat because if mm. you get hot, I guess. Um, but I, I'm getting myself lost here. But one thing is clear is that niacin is a very simple molecule. And NAD plus is like a very, very complex molecule. And going from a simple molecule to a complex molecule takes a lot of energy. And uh, yeah, it, it's like, I don't, I don't want to say it's exercise in the pillow, but that sounds ridiculous, but mm -hmm. it, in a way it kind of is. Like it, 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 it takes work when you, when you take, like it's, it's not comfortable. Like that's why a lot of people don't do it. That's the official reason why doctors don't prescribe it because like patient compliance is low because of the flush reaction. Um, but right. Yeah, and that's just, that's just I, I, feeling hot or overheated for an amount of time, a few hours? It can, or It can be kind of intense. Like I'd say if you're taking high doses, like you, you don't want to be like driving on the highway for like two hours or something. Like you, you want to be um, like you want to have the option to just go like lay on a bed and relax, like lie on the couch and chill. Mm. Like it, it, it could be intense, um, especially if you're not used to it. Like I'm very used to it, um, but I, I feel like at this point, like, your body also learns to use it, you know, like mm -hmm. if, if you're giving it every day, your body starts to orient itself and just treat it like, yeah, any other thing that you do habitually. Um, so, um, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, okay. This is just, okay. MAD homeostasis in human health disease. So it's just talking about, it's just, this is a really in-depth paper about NAD plus, um, how it's made, what it does in your body. And, uh, basically there's three different ways your body makes it. 
Um, and you'll see a lot of fancy supplements like nicotinamide, riboside, or um, I don't want to name the brands, but like there's a lot of these um, NAD plus boosters that are like um, marketed as being so amazing, but they really don't hold the candle to niacin. And um, that's because uh, there's something called the price handler pathway, which is, again, is how uh, it's, which is very clear if you look at like the diagrams, if you read this, very clear that like the primary way, the most efficient way to make NAD plus is through nicotinic acid. And the other ones are called salvage pathways, which is like your body um, having like backup mechanisms if you don't have enough niacin to still make NAD plus because without NAD plus, like you die. <laughs> um, you can also make it from tryptophan um, with about a 50 to one ratio. So there's different, you can make niacin from tryptophan, but anyways, mm -hmm. I, I just want to point out like it, you'll see these fancy NAD plus boosters and the scientists that work on those, they know about niacin. If you actually look at their research, they will sort of mention in the papers because they have to like, hey, the basis of this research is because niacin does this. We're trying to find other things that do it. And they don't really uh, highlight <laughs> the fact that niacin like is just way, way more powerful um, because, of course, like niacin uh, is extremely cheap. It's not patentable. Um, uh, a kilogram of it is, um, you know, 20, 30 bucks, which means like a gram dose is two to three cents or something like that. Um, so very, very cheap. Um, let's see. Uh, trying to go over all these. Um, geez. So this is about weaning piglets in agriculture. The Chinese do a lot of research on niacin. Um, and they're basically, if you remove piglets from their mothers, a lot of them don't do very well. Uh, their intestinal biota tends to get really jacked up because they're like getting switched into a not not their mother's milk anymore and they're very young and stuff anyways you give niacin their survivability improves a whole lot and it's primarily because of like microbial um, diversity intestinal health uh, reduced intestinal inflammation all these kind of things that are typically associated with health in general um, asthma treatment this is an old study sort of small group but you know they're either getting injected with niacin which I I haven't tried and I don't want to try, but, um, <laughs> or taking it orally. And these are small doses, just 50 to hundred milligram. And they basically, if someone had an asthma attack, they'd immediately give it to them and, um, seemed to be pretty effective. And also upon stopping these patients tended to relapse. So that was a uh, treatment okay, for the... asthma, which is a, you know, something else that a lot of the listeners either might suffer yeah. from themselves or if not family members or their kids, yeah. right. It is horrible to see kids struggling yeah. with that. So flush niacin clearly has some kind of positive effect De on definitely and, and there's also anecdotal for me there is when i first tried it and i was having this skin reaction stuff i kind of would get this little bit of a drip in my nose like just like yeah just like literally like saline water like coming out of my nose a little bit but then i noticed that and i noticed like i could just take these really deep breaths um which is just yeah interesting um that just felt really good. Um, and there's a couple of papers here about like lung inflammation and niacin attenuating that. So there's mm -hmm. definitely clear studies on that. Uh, so this one, uh, nicotinic glioma invasion by facilitating snail one degradation. <laughs> what that means is they were uh, grafting tumors into rat brains and then um, <clears throat> basically uh, giving half of them niacin. And uh, by uh, day 24, all of the control group was dead. And by the time the study ended, after two months, 70% uh, of the niacin fed rats were still alive and had much less tumor. 
Um, Wait, so they they, they grafted they graft tumors onto rats' brains, yes. then put fifty percent on nicotinic acid, flush niacin, nice and the other fifty yeah. percent mm-hmm. just let them go. Like and the same diet, Stan- sta- sta- standard rat diet they call it. Yeah, standard rat diet. <laughs> Probably better than the standard human diet. And a hundred percent of the ones that were not taking nicotinic yes. acid died. Dead. dead, dead within twenty-four days. Yeah. And seventy <clears> percent <throat> of the ones administered with nicotinic acid were still alive yeah. on day fifty-eight. Yeah. When they ended the study, so yeah. And that was the end of the study. So the rats still even could be alive. Who knows? Yeah, um, <laughs> but there's this is just one of these. So this is this is why this is why I wanted to go through this because this is yeah. that's just one. There's a bunch of things like this. Mm. Okay, so treatment of arthritis. This is a really old school one. This is I think is from Abram Hoffer, the like niacin OG who um, had a 50 year long psychiatry practice focusing on schizophrenia and also um, uh, war veterans like uh, what do mm-hmm. they call it PTSD and stuff. So he'd get, he'd, he'd give him three grams to start with. <laughs> And say if it doesn't work, try more. <laughs> that was basically his regimen: uh, three grams a day. Try more if it's not enough. Um, uh, yeah, there's a there's a book by him or about him called "The Truth About Niacin." Mm. Um, here, um, uh, bipolar. Let's see. Oh, okay. So this is this is just an anecdotal. This is someone with like severe bipolar who became stable um for 11 years and then as soon as he stopped he relapsed within two days uh, back into bipolar um uh coronavirus okay yeah they're talking about some link with coronavirus and uh nad uh anti-atherothrombotic so this is like blood clots uh basically uh niacin reduces blood viscosity through a variety of mechanisms improving blood flow Especially like the problem with blood clots is like when you have choke points in your vasculature, right? In your like circulation mm-hmm. system. And uh, yeah, it just helps those not become clogged basically um, through m- multiple mechanisms. And also that when there is a clog, um, there's like the problem is like the oxygen, lack of oxygen. And there's several papers, we'll get to them, but like basically um, cells survive much better under those hypoxic conditions with niacin and high NAD plus. So. There's like many, many like factors, um, blah, blah, blah. Oh, okay. Um, this one, inflammation stimulates nine receptor in adipose tissue and macrophages. So this is talking about what I was saying with like niacin sort of having this affinity towards with inflammation. So mm-hmm. where you have inflammation, the niacin receptor will be more expressed, which means it'll, I guess, enter those cells easier or something along those lines, which then enable those cells to sort of spin up and do what they need to do, I guess. I, I'm not sure, but something like that. Um, but yeah, this just studies that like, um, an adipose tissue is is like fat tissue, I guess. Um, uh, activation of GPR-109. This is nice and receptor. They're looking at it in colon cancer. Um, basically, uh, yeah, there's a there's I think the colon is one of the main places you absorb it, mm. and colon cancer is characterized by complete silencing of the niacin receptor. Um, but um, taking a shitload of niacin will kind of reactivate the receptor too. So it's so um, what, what would have there. killed the, the those receptors? Just just our diets, I'm assuming. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> That's beyond my my expertise at this point. Right. I'm, I, 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 
I think if you dig in those papers, you'll get an idea, but I, I don't remember mm -hmm. off the top of my head. That's what I'm saying. I have to, I have to write these summaries because it's just, it's too much information. Yeah. <laughs> if so I was way, like a doctor full time, maybe I could tell you, but I'm not. <laughs> so I, I like the way you've set this out. And for those people uh, listening, so, you know, if you go to niacin.io, Michael's list, he, it's all in, you just click the link if you want to read the whole paper, but he's got underneath right. a sentence yeah. or a paragraph, which is just basically paraphrasing everything that is in that paper so you know if you find something uh, yeah. there of interest just click through yeah. and read the paper yourself do your own research right right and and it's hard to paraphrase these so sometimes it's just like here's like a nugget that was interesting mm -hmm. to me and sometimes it's, it's pretty buried but those are sometimes the most interesting ones um okay so you want me to keep going or i don't know yeah this okay, one at the bottom here looks very fast. interesting the uh uh curcumin nicotine oof. oh <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess it's about yeah, cancer. This is looking at, yeah, yeah, um, sure. I, I'll just keep going through them because I think they're all pretty interesting. But, mm -hmm. um, so uh, th this one is talking about like uh, life extension, nice. And this one is, uh, what is this? Okay, yeah, so yeah, so okay, so I guess these two, the curcumin and leucine. So, um, there's obviously like nice and it's not like. A standalone thing like it's in combination with everything else going on in your body and uh, the other b vitamins and all kinds of things are important but this is like looking at either things that are sort of um complementary to it so in this case they're looking at leucine which is an amino acid it's like used by bodybuilders and stuff but uh, yeah i don't know if it's recommended or not in this case uh, i think it's, it seemed to um have the same effect if you take leucine and a low dose of niacin together as like a high dose of niacin in these mice. Uh, so this curcumin one, I guess they created some sort of novel niacin curcumin combo, which is, um, you know, the, the active compound in turmeric curcumin. Mm -hmm. It's a really orange sort of powder. Um, and it seemed to, so this is cell cultures. And again, like the cell culture studies, a lot of like, you know, actual scientists will say like, well, that doesn't necessarily translate to like what happens in your body when you just do like a cell culture. Um, but um, they're, they're showing that, um, that so curcumin, I guess, is known for anti-cancer activity. And then like this combo of like niacin nicotine, which is similar to niacin and curcumin <laughs> together, like seem to improve the selectivity of the curcumin. So basically made it even more potent at inhibiting these cancers um uh blah 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 glycine yeah they're just giving people a cocktail of glycine and niacin and it seemed to increase human growth hormone levels but that's not what they're looking for they're looking for memory effects and they didn't seem to notice, notice any improved memory um oh this one's good um this is ultraviolet radiation um but yeah basically um it prevents like skin damage from UV light. Um, uh, this is again talking about colon cancer, which again is like mm -hmm. I think the most common cancer in men, I think, or one of the most common. Um, and uh, yeah, how niacin basically suppresses it. Um, and here they talk about this what you were asking before with the receptor and stuff, but I, I don't want to go into it because I don't I don't know off the top of my head. I have to read it again. Yeah, and this next uh, one's again, interesting: in intestinal flora. Uh, which yeah. is you know gut health again which is yes. so yes mm -hmm. damn important yeah yeah so butyrate 
seems to be involved with activating the receptor, um, niacin receptor. It's like an agonist for it, they call it. Um, and that that's produced by like intestinal bacteria. And those are restored with niacin. So you like fix your butyrate, which then it fixes your ability to absorb it. <laughs> so it's just, it's great. Like, it's pretty simple. Like you don't need to supplement butyrate. Like <clears throat> that'll get fixed apparently if you just take niacin in most cases. Um, but yeah, there's a couple of papers related to butyrate here. Um, again, butyrate producing capacity of the gut microbiome. They're looking at it, uh, chronic fatigue syndrome and whatever myalgic encephalomitis is. <laughs> this. Hmm. But, but anyways, like people being all tired and stuff, um, is yeah. linked to this butyrate producing capacity, which again, if you don't have those, you're not going to be able to absorb niacin. You'd be all fucked up. Um, uh again melatonin also has to do with mm -hmm. um the receptor activation so you want to make sure you like get sleep and stuff and you could try supplementing melatonin i guess um not sure uh i think it's fine I'm, but i don't know whether it's necessary or not but you can see kind of this phase of like me like finding various like rabbit holes and, and yeah just, like, th th this is uh, like you doc this is a documentation of your rabbit hole journey <laughs> and each branch, a little bit yeah each route that you've yeah. hit on the way down uh the yeah. effect of melatonin on thrombosis sepsis and mortality rate in covid19 patients wow there, there is yeah. so and much here apparently melatonin is like super useful for covid infections um like i remember i, I saw some thing where it was like a meta-analysis of all the supplements and I think melatonin was like one of the, if not the top one, um, which is interesting. Um, okay, okay, this this is um, very technical. Reverses migratory macrophage foam cell arrest mediated by oxidized LDL. So I guess they're looking at um, the low density cholesterol, which I guess is considered bad because it can oxidize. And then the oxidized cholesterol is just kind of nasty. Um, and that's, I guess, related to plaques and stuff. But um, um and and they, they produce peroxynitrite and it's, it's just a mess but I, I guess niacin like helps um prevent some of the issues with like mm. um like cholesterol like cholesterol fouling in your body um, so how do how do you take it at the moment is it is it still in pill form or is it powder form what what should be powder. those people yeah because because yeah so I, I try to take like three grams a day which is you know um sort of the standard like um pharmacological dose i'd say mm -hmm. um and yeah that's like the pill forms are typically 500 milligrams so you'd be taking like six pills and that's just like six veggie caps i don't want to take so i i, <laughs> I, I just take like i don't even measure anymore i just take like a like a like a kind of a heaping teaspoon in the morning and hot mm -hmm. water and after breakfast and one after dinner um, and you and just okay it. so you just dissolve it into water and neck it yep all right. Yeah. So are you sneaking this into the kids' food? Yeah. So my daughter has a similar um, psoriasis kind of issue as uh -huh. me. And um, so, you know, we, we tried uh, to see if it would have an effect on just tiny amounts. And it, it does. It does. Um, the flush, they flush really easily, kids, I've noticed. Mm -hmm. So, like, especially their ears get really, like, right. red really quickly. Um so yeah, I just do a tiny amount and she, she knows it's good. She, she can tell too that it helps. So I don't, I don't really push it. Um, mm -hmm. But if I see like her struggling and it flaring up, I, I suggest it. And if she wants to, she can, she can have some. Um, 
it's hard to sneak in because it's um, pretty sour. Right. So they know. <laughs> right. So it, know. It, ha- it does have a taste then. It's not. Uh... Definitely. It tastes like um, maybe like vitamin C or something. It's just very it's acidic. It's just very sour, uh-huh. like like a lemon, basically. Right. Um, there's one or two more. There's so many more. I'll, I'll try to like not go through all of them. So we're not going forever. Um, this one's kind of backs up the old, the UV light one. They're just looking at airline pilots, uh, looking at chromosome translocation. So DNA damage from radiation from flying. And basically they just did a meta-analysis asking them a questionnaire about their diet. And based on that, determine how much niacin they're getting. Mm. Basically there's a pretty strong correlation with, um, yeah the DNA damage and the niacin intake, even though it's a small difference. It was like 10 milligrams versus 24 in the highest. So still a very small amounts of niacin compared to what I'm like taking, for example. Um, Physiological one more I wanted... and anti-obesity effects. Yeah. Um... Oh, yeah, this is great. Yeah, so this is like uh, they're giving rats melatonin and niacin. And again, it's interesting that there's researchers out there like putting these two things into rats. This is mm. like, you know, like they came to this conclusion, put all this thing together to put this study to study this like what do they know right um but yeah basically um yeah so the ones on nice and alternative lost the most weight uh also they had rats that where they um modify so they don't have the niacin receptor and they um just have lots of weight gain and liver fat accumulation um so it, there's actually a, b- a bunch of these studies show that where they they when they do the mouse studies they have special mice that are genetically modified to not have a niacin receptor um, or have it like ma- mainly silenced, and then they, yeah, they, the effects don't happen. And, so the receptor this, has this to be This one expressed. here, this one here about breast cancer, man, it is like crazy. The one beneath, so, so many. Yeah, the one beneath uh, the expression of niacin yes. receptor is decreased by over seventy percent in breast cancer samples. Wow. Yeah, almost undetectable in advanced age, and this is the same. This is in colon cancer. This is always it's always like this. Brain cancer, it's, it's like this everywhere. It's so also what, the same. Yeah. Yeah. When, when when you've been down this rabbit hole and you've seen what you've seen and you've felt what you felt and you understand now what you understand, does it not like make you question could it be <laughs> that what's the famous saying? Don't assign um malice, malice to in, incompetence. Yeah. 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 And then when you think back to that altercation with the doctor who's had 40 years experience, you know, head of his division. Right. I, I mean, what, what is going through these people's minds? And well, where, yeah. of course, we're all conspiracy theorists at the end of the day. Um, God, God forbid that actually be <laughs> uh, returned yeah. to critical thinkers. A, it's a really good question. Um, I think that um, when I, when I had this experience with doctor, I was pretty convinced that these are just like evil people. I was just so angry and it was like that for a long time. And it was like pretty unproductive in a sense, because like, I just kind of looked like this like angry person, very like one, one sort of track minded about it. Um, and it's so funny thinking back on it. And when I was having an argument with that doctor and I was saying, oh, well, I'm avoiding wheat. I think he actually mentioned niacin. I think he actually did, which is the irony of it all. Because I, I was like thinking back on that experience and I, I remember him very specifically being like, oh, well, if you're not eating wheat, then you might not be getting enough niacin. I, I think he actually mentioned that because since wheat is fortified with niacin, so he knows about it. <laughs> it's such a trip. I'm like, I, either I'm making like, 
I'm making a memory of mine, but I don't think I am. I think I actually like he actually did say that. Um, because I remember him like reprimanding, well, if you don't eat wheat, you're missing out on this important vitamin. And I don't know what else it could have been besides niacin. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was. Um, hmm. But I could be wrong. Could be, could be remembering that totally wrong, but I'm more than I'm fairly certain I'm not. Um, All right. Well, before but, but, we, yeah. did you have one more you wanted to, to hit up? Uh, yeah, this last one is just such yeah. a gem, and it's so it's so buried. Um, blah blah blah. There's just so many, but um, uh, I do want to dig it up because this one it's done by like physicists in the Max Planck Institute, <laughs> and you wonder like why are they looking at this? <laughs> and um, I'm trying to find it. Um, see the this one in the what yeah, part? Did you say Ma Max Planck, which is like um uh like sort of like you know the mit of like germany like it's a very prestigious like physics okay um, university um this one another one and and this paper it's like 20 pages um uh yeah i think i think it's this one um i think it might have been yeah this one master regulates macrophage activation so Shoot this one, another one. I always mix them up. Ah, I wish I had this prepared. But basically, I, I don't want to look for it right now. But basically, um, they look into, oh, yeah, I think it's calcium ion channel, um, it's DA2. So they look at um, macrophages and what makes them like work. So macrophages are like your immune cells. And, you know, if you kind of have seen them with like these electron microscope, like um, time series, they basically like, they're they're like these morphing goos they can like they have to squeeze in between cells they kind of turn into a tube then they pop out the other side become a circle then they kind of migrate over to some particle or bacterium or whatever then they envelop it and then they they break it down and they move then they move on to the next thing so they're very like these morphing things in your body these cells and their ability to change shape to do these different actions is characterized the name for it is called macrophage plasticity and basically their ability to change shape and um there's like these guys are looking at what is this about like how does this plasticity work and they say it's well it's primarily related to this calcium ion channel signaling mechanism and that this mechanism is basically in principle like governed by nicotinic acid and its availability <laughs> like like yeah that that to me like just explains why it's it's so broad um like basically if your macrophages are able to like change shape better that means they can like get skinnier and go further and pop out the other side like quicker then they're not going to leave as like a trail of wreckage as they try to go through your tissue to like get a job done basically like they just become much more effective at uh, doing their job and not causing damage while they do it which i think is what most of these diseases are like um whether it's rheumatoid arthritis or psoriasis like your body's trying to do a job your immune cells are just not they're doing like a sloppy job and they have all these like side effects sort of causing damage as they do it causing you all that pain and inflammation and but fundamentally they're trying to do something useful for you right mm -hmm. and so with that sin you're like enabling them to do it like without like yeah without making a mess basically did you ever find anything out with um uh like hay fever 
because hay fever, as I understand, mm. it's just an inflammation of uh, the, yeah, um, yeah, the capillaries sure. in I, the nasal passage. I, I used to have that seasonal. I haven't had that since I started. So you're kidding? At least anecdotally, I, I don't have I don't have any allergies anymore. Yeah, like in terms of like itchy, runny eyes or stuff like that. Yeah, I used to get that. Oh, yeah, it kills me every year around May time, where it just starts getting crazy here with the blossoms and the pollens, and you know the the, the farmers churning up the fields, and just throwing everything into it. My eye stream, my nose won't stop going. So I'd love to get my hands on some of that flush niacin nicotinic acid to to put that to the test. That'd be very interesting. Yeah, you'll have to make a trip to a nice and friendly jurisdiction yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and well, get yourself get... some some no KYC niacin and lug it back across the border. Because I don't think there's any restrictions about like right. doing that, but you might not be able to get it without like a doctor's so, note or something in France. So yeah. any 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 plebs in North America that are coming to Europe, you know, <laughs> just just stick an extra uh, you know bag of flush niacin in the in your carry on. I just 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 go with the twenty five kilogram bucket. It'll still fit, right? You got a forty kilogram or forty pound luggage allowance. Yes, <laughs> exactly. All right, mate. Well, uh, let, let's let's round it up. Um, we've been talking about uh, yes, so much of this medical yeah. stuff. So the, the the final question is along the same lines. Uh, if you had one orange pill left to give to somebody, <laughs> who would okay. you give it to, and why? Okay, so I'm going to go with the uh, Inspector General of the uh, United States. Um, okay. And uh, I never uh, like uh, this. I think like this is probably like one of these people who's like the most powerful people in the world, I guess, at least in the US, but like nobody knows about. Yeah, I was going to say, I what think... is their role? What do they do? <laughs> uh, let me look him up. I forget his name now. Um, but um, I mean, there's there's like 500 of them, I think. But then there's like a chief like the like inspector of the inspector general right, and um and so this 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 guy is um uh, i'm looking him up right now um mm -hmm. i'll get you a name um but yeah uh, well whatever his name is this guy um should know about bitcoin because they're in charge of um like you know, fraud and corruption across all the um, government agencies in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And like, I just think that um, that could be sort of a unique uh, scenario where, like, um, yeah, you have you have these uh, agencies that are sort of financed through fiat, and then this person really uh, has a lot of leverage over all of them, and uh, is just like a died in the wool Bitcoiner. <laughs> I just think it would be entertaining. Yeah, um, that'd be awesome. Well, and, and, and imagine, uh, yeah, imagine have having him, have him clean house. <laughs> yeah, imagine having nothing but truth and moral standards and uh, you know high ethical values at the very top, watching right, over all right. of these uh, completely <clears throat> disgusting and um, totally. I mean, these institutions also broken, all of them, you know, across the board uh anyway mate what what a rip um and of course we didn't talk too much about bitcoin but i think uh, it's it's pretty safe to say uh you're yeah, a I mean, you're a pleb you've been down the rabbit hole of bitcoin uh obviously the opening to that rabbit hole was uh your, your past experience and doing the deep dive and questioning the system elsewhere uh and in this yeah that was well, I think, obviously your priming 
how, how it all ties back for me, I guess, and if mm. I just look at it like in a sort of a self-interested way, would be like, ultimately, I think the simplest way to think about Bitcoin is just like a savings vehicle. <laughs> like, And all of us who use it are connected to each other in that sense. And th- it, it becomes more valuable to all of us, the better we all are at saving. It's pretty simple. <laughs> it doesn't produce anything. There's no yield. It's just literally... The better we are saving with it, the better off we all are. It's almost like an insurance policy in a way. Like we're all paying into it. And the less you take out, the better the policy is basically collectively, Mm -hmm. right? In a way, like that's really what it is. And so like when I look at, uh, you know, how much money is wasted, how much suffering goes into just poor health. I mean, Lord knows I've spent like any any cream on Amazon that said it helps with psoriasis, I've purchased, you know, like hundreds, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of products that are just total waste of money. Um, and that could have all gone into Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so, so that's, that's my pitch here is like uh, get informed, whether it's niacin or whatever it is. I mean, it's not just niacin. There's a lot of um, other vitamins and things, you know, that, that, that improve your health. And um, yeah, that, that ultimately makes us all more efficient. And like, it would just, you know, I, I think it will help us sort of, you know, uh, prove, prove out like that it's just legit. And like, we just keep, um, it, it just makes the network stronger because it's only as strong as its participants, basically. Yeah. And, and if anybody that's listened to this has, you know, seen the uh, epiphanies appear in front of their eyes and want to reach out and ask you more questions or back up your research with any of their own research they might have been down the rabbit hole themselves is there a way they can reach out to you yeah i'm on twitter just rumic r-u-e-m-i-c um yeah i'll reach out and be happy to hear from you <clears throat> and like do a call or whatever um i'm always learning more so i'm hoping that this interview can be a catalyst for further learning for not just you know myself but everyone else in too. Excellent. Well, enjoy uh, the rest of your evening. It's probably getting late over there in the Philippines. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing all of this, mate. It's been great to get to know you. And uh, yeah, good luck with the family holiday. Or we, it's not a holiday, right? It's life. Enjoy. Yeah. Enjoy your time over <laughs> That's there. That's right. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. See you later. Bye. Hey, guys. I hope you enjoyed that rip with Michael and quick update he texted me just today out of the blue because serendipity I suppose I was going to release the the album the show today and yeah the text read guess what we've extended our visas it's possible guys you can live away from this fiat hamster world he has four kids He's making it work. You can too. You're a Bitcoiner. You got this. You can escape the bullshit. And what he's taught us today with this conversation. Oh my goodness, how deep this bullshit goes. I am so thankful to Michael for coming on and sharing his story And I hope it inspires so many more other people to share their own stories. I've had Alex on from um, Seed Jig before, talking about how he managed his, excuse me, his um, shaking hands, his autoimmune disease, how he's managing it. This isn't a cure, right? We've got to be careful. It's not a cure, it's how you manage it. And he's managing it 
with animal fat and protein and you know a complete switch to his diet to what he'd been taught how to manage it before and it these stories keep cropping up now it's not just my podcast that's highlighting these it's that you know go listen to john vallis's as well he he has so many people on listen to safer deans he's done so much work into our diet and nutrition and we should all be very thankful to those people that come on and share these experiences this isn't all bro science these are real use case stories where people are figuring shit out for themselves and going against the mainstream narrative please reach out to michael if you've got a story a story you want to share with him or if there's something you feel that you can add to this uh, this narrative as well thank you everybody for listening you know who the show sponsors are please go show your support tweet at me or tweet at them stack with swanbitcoin.com forward slash bitten or relay.ch forward slash bitten use the code rel727 stack with coin corner go kyc free stack with hoddle hoddle you know these guys all have your back make sure you are stacking safely up your privacy game use wasabiwallet.io get a bitbox o2 hardware wallet bitcoin only via shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten make sure you meet other bitcoiners get to a conference bitcoin miami or bitcoin prague next year links are in the show notes download orange pill app we got this let's go thank you for listening thank you for sharing i look forward to the next one guys